Jimmy G is not that guy. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's a red hot <laughs> fucking milk toast transition that Dave just tried to give us there. Good old Muddy Mitch. Welcome back to another episode of Rummed Up Red Zone Ramblin' here with the Red Hot Takes. Boy, it has been a pretty spicy few weeks here at uh, in the NFL. And coming off of several of our takes, we got a lot to talk about today, boys. So with that, I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, let's kick it to Dave. How you been, buddy? You know, John, I've been great. I've uh, been able to start watching football again. Been able to watch um, some highlights of the Bills-Chiefs game. So uh, easing myself back into the world of football, but been doing well. You're in a much better place than me, man. I have, uh, I've, I've, I've vented some of my football frustrations on Madden, putting up uh, 30, 40, 50 points on some, some poor, poor computer-generated teams. Joe, how have you been, man? You know, I have been rolling along. Uh, work has been kicking my ass lately, so the escape of NFL football and playoffs among us, among us has been uh, pretty neat. So looking forward to the Super Bowl. Uh, also, a lot of news that's been happening lately in the NFL. Um, you know, you got the Tom Brady retirement, the stuff with Brian Flores, but, you know, we'll get into that later. But uh, crazy stuff happening. So much crazy stuff. Uh, from from teams to players to coaches and uh, beyond even the, the standard coaching search and GM search drama. So uh, I think you nailed it, man. It's, it's a fascinating time in the NFL right now. And with that, we got to kick it over to uh, someone who can is the only person on the show, I think, that can truly match the chaotic energy of the NFL the past couple of weeks. Matt, tell us how you're doing, buddy. Hey, you know what? I'm feeling pretty freaking great right now. Ryan Poles had an awesome interview. Um, Bengals are about to save America, but more on those two things later. I feel like that's the name of the game today. <laughs> but uh, it's it's good to be back. Good to be good to be back recording with the three of you. Looking forward to uh, to conversating. No, I, I love it, man. I love it. it. It's always a good time to get together with good friends. And talk about, I would say, good good football, but eh, it's questionable at times. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's some very questionable football this past week. Fuck that shit. Well, with speaking of questionable football this past week, why don't we just dive right in? Right, uh, we had championship weekend, uh, and I would say that probably two unexpected outcomes maybe uh for for most people uh not necessarily for us here on this show as we were all pulling for old joey b if memory serves um although i can't lie i certainly had a, a heavy dose of skepticism tied into that um but matt what, what are you thinking uh let's let's look back on the past weekend where you want to start 
Absolutely. I think I want to start with what I personally think is the most exciting game. Bengals, Chiefs. That shit was awesome. Um, I think I think really that stop at halftime that the Bengals had, they stopped Tyreek Hill like a yard or two short of the short of the goal line. That was the turning point. After that, I mean, it was relatively close. It was 21 to 21-10 at the end of the half, I think. And the Bengals came back. They scored, I think, 14 unanswered um, before, well, 21 unanswered total, but 14 in the second half. Um, Chiefs brought it into overtime. They, uh, Von Bell had that interception to set the Bengals up for that winning field goal. Absolutely incredible. Such a fun game to watch. I was, oh my God, that whole second half, I was just like, off the couch, like standing, yelling at the TV. It was awesome. Love that. In what, the first um, 13 seconds of overtime, may you add. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, Joey B and the Bengals, they they brought it back. They um right at the right at the beginning of overtime, um, when the Chiefs won the coin toss, Josh, Josh Allen tweeted uh pain. And I was fully expecting to be heartbroken a second time. But uh, Von Bell sealed it, uh, so we gotta we gotta shout him out for saving America. No, for sure, man. Uh, I I don't think I could have expected the way overtime happened in that game, right? Like you, I was sitting there watching it, like, oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? The Kansas City Chiefs are about to be bailed out of one of the worst second halves in 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 play in, in a while. I'm not going to say in history. I don't have the stats on that. Maybe Joe has those kind of numbers. But what is mind-blowing and the number that I got that I can throw out here, uh, I saw it on Shout Out, the Pat McAfee Show. The second half, Patrick Mahomes' QBR was zero. I was about to say the same thing. You know what his QBR was the uh, during the first half? Like 146 or something, wasn't it? 149.9. He had as many touchdowns as he had incompletions. Oh, insane. Absolutely insane. And, and I think that was kind of the theme of the game. That game had just a lot of insanity happen. Nobody could have predicted that the, the Chiefs basically, basically get shut out in the second half, right? Um, the, nobody could have predicted the Bengals, Joey B being the fucking gangster that he is going out there, turning it on, getting shit done. Joe, I want to kick it to you. There were a lot of numbers put up in that game, uh, in a lot of ways. What, what do you, you got anything for us there or any thoughts overall in that game? Yeah. So, I mean, when you, you guys were talking about Joe Burrow and how impressive he has been. And, you know, you look at the stats, his playoff stats are really not that impressive when you think about it. When you think about a a 10 and seven Bengals team that is now on its way to the Super Bowl, you would think that Joe Burrow has put this team on his shoulders. They really haven't. You know who's put this team on their shoulders is the fucking defense. I have not heard a single person talk about the Bengals defense this entire playoffs, essentially. They, I mean, let's put this into perspective. Joe Burrow's great. He's all that in a bag of chips, whatever. 
the Bengals basically shut out Patrick Mahomes in the second half. They kept them to a field goal. No defense this year has done that. The Chiefs have scored, and I need to double check this, but I was looking at all the Chiefs games earlier this season. The Chiefs have scored touchdowns in both halves in every single game this season. This is the first time where the Chiefs were basically shut out in one half. And you need to give the Bengals defense credit for that. They, they adjusted really well. They played their asses off. They basically dropped eight into coverage on every single play versus Mahomes. And, and it worked. It worked really, really well. And basically, Joe Burrow just had to not throw the game away. And he didn't. He got their team on the board, gave them a score in the second half, got them a couple of field goals. Again, behind the toes of Evan McPherson, he was four for four again. Perfect. 52 was his longest field goal. Um, I just think you have to give credit to that defense and special teams, though, man. Um, that, that's all I have to say. It, it, it's, it, it was another impressive showing by the Bengals' D. Joe, you made two, two really good points there. The, the second one right there at the end, so I'm going to address it for special teams. We have seen routinely, I said it last episode, special teams fucking matter in these games. And special teams made a huge difference for the Bengals multiple times this year. So, no, absolutely. And, okay. and you're right. I don't think we're giving enough credit to the Bengals' defense. The Bengals' defense is pretty feisty. Uh, yeah, they are. <laughs> I think the problem is like the reason they're not getting the credit that is due to them is this. There's no superstars on that defense. There's not a lot of giant names. And honestly, and this is how it should be as somebody who played football before, this is how it should be. This is why my team fucking sucked. We couldn't do this. They're playing as a unit, not as an individual trying to be a rock star. Yeah. Again, I gotta I gotta give credit. I, I might have mentioned it in a previous episode, but Zach Taylor, that man figured out a way to get that team bought in. I'm not saying he's a great coach. I'm not saying he anything like that. What I'm saying is one thing is real fucking clear with Zach Taylor. Everybody on that Bengals team understands that they have a role to play and they're gonna go win some fucking games. Uh, and and that's like that is their mission. These guys are appearing anyway to get on the field and, and be the cog in the machine because as long as they're winning games, they don't give a shit if it's their name individually being called because those championship rings add up, right? So I, that's, that's, I think, my thoughts on that. And, and I think we could kind of perfectly sum up that Chiefs game uh, right here, and it is defense wins championships. Yeah, defense it really does. Oh, yeah. It's cliche. I mean, but damn, it's look, who, look who won the championship last year. You, what did what did they do against Mahomes and the Chiefs? They kept them to nine points. Yeah, they essentially yeah. did the same thing here. And they basically the Bengals just had to not fuck it up. The defense had to keep balling out. The offense just had to not fuck it up. And and, and it was a recipe for success. As soon as I saw the game going into overtime, even after the Chiefs won the coin toss, I was like, the Bengals are winning this. They got all the momentum in the world. Their defense is balling out. They picked off Mahomes, sacked him a couple of times. I mean, it was, it was art. It was great. And they adjusted really well throughout the game. Um, 
Matt, did you want to add anything onto that? I saw you kind of. I was just going to say, I was just going to say specifically that last drive that caused the Chiefs to kick that last second field goal. They, I think the, one of the final plays in that drive was like a, like an 11 or 12 yard sack that the defense got. And there were, there were like three plays in the last probably minute where the, um, the secondary of the Bengals was completely covering the, um, the receivers on the Chiefs. And you had, you had three, four guys in the backfield. You made Patrick Mahomes rush out of the pocket and he is no Joe Burrow. He cannot do things like, you know, miss two sacks from the same guy, which was awesome by the way. But, you know, you have Mahomes running the backfield, wasting seven, eight seconds of clock in crucial time and then losing like 10, 10, 11 yards. And if the Bengals can do that, I think that I think they easily go all the way. Um, I think it's just it's really fun to see. And John, exactly as you said, they're playing as a unit. It's so much fun to watch. And I think it's it's just even more impressive how cohesive they are when on the opposite side of the ball, you have this huge story of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They were teammates at LSU. They won a na- they won a national championship. You know, Joe Burrow is the first quarterback ever to to win a Heisman, uh, a national championship, and then go on to the Super Bowl, first quarterback ever. And he's done that in three years. It took him and Jamar Chase one season to get to where they're at. And it's just, it's incredible. They're, they're firing on all cylinders and it's really, really fun to watch. It is fun to watch. And, and I think the way, like the, the, the clear example I'll give here, what makes them fun to watch is that there's so many storylines within the Bengals and so many relationships. So I, I think we'll wrap up with this game with this last point I want to make, uh, you know, you, we all, we always talk about Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and the awesome things they did at LSU. I thought we got to have a great little moment for, for those that like knew that were in the know uh, with tackle Tyler Shelvin, Shelvin, Tyler Shelvin. So he was a tackle on LSU when Joe Burrow won the won the championship national championship over Alabama he picks Joe Burrow up on his shoulder and carries him off the field he's a tackle on the Cincinnati Bengals uh, when Joe Burrow beats the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and he picks up Joe Burrow and carries him off the field so it was just a really cool little moment uh, that they got to have there so uh, I, I love it I love it I think I think most of America is pooling for the Bengals here oh yeah uh, I haven't seen those that map come out yet that always shows like kind of where fandoms are at, but uh, I really do think it's just hard to root against them, which is a damn shame, a damn shame. And we're about to get to this, but all you want to cheer for Matt Stafford, but Joe Burrow and the Bengals here, they make this, they make it an interesting conversation. Matt, what do you, what do you got for me here? I was going to say going from one of the most fun playoff games that I've ever seen to honestly, one of the least fun playoff games I've ever seen. I was not impressed by the Niners Rams game. I think that the Rams were trying so desperately to lose that game and Jimmy G gave it, gave it to him right at the end. I think that it was honestly kind of lame. I mean, I'm happy for Stafford, not really the rest of the Rams. They can uh, maybe cop, but like the rest of the Rams can fuck off. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not that impressed. I don't think, Jimmy G is a very good quarterback. I, I think the Niners are 
the Debo Samuel show. I mean, their defense is decent, but not what they used to be back in, you know, 2012, 2013, when they last went to the Super Bowl. Um, I think the Rams are just trying to lose all of their playoff games and they're only winning by the other team fucking up at the last second. So I think, I think it's going to be a complete beatdown. but um, does anybody, do you guys have any, have any other words about that playoff game? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here real quick. I think, I think you nailed a lot of it for me in terms of with the Rams, like, I also recognize I am a little bit biased here. Uh, I grew up in the St. Louis area and the Rams can go fucking choke on a chode as far as I'm concerned and fuck Stan Kroenke. Um, But I do feel for Matt Stafford. He's a guy that like, even when he was with the lions, like Matt Stafford is just, that dude is given everything he's got to just win a fucking championship. And honestly, uh, a good comparison I'm going to make here. I'm going to, I'm going to pull on the old rummed up reviews chain here. He's reminding me a lot of Leo DiCaprio. This band is just desperately trying to win one. He just wants one, damn it. And he's going to fucking kill himself to get there. Uh, and, and he went out and he, he found a way, obviously had some downtimes, had some times where he, tried to throw it away quite literally right there at the end, but he's finally getting his opportunity. Like I said, it's just a real shame that he's going up against the Cincinnati Bengals who have been fucking irrelevant basically since they became an expansion team. And uh, they're a likable team uh, full of young folks and sensational stars. That's, you know, that's kind of where my head's at on it. Joe, what are you thinking? Yeah, um, I didn't watch much of the game. Funnily enough, I was able to tune in on the 49ers last drive when Jimmy G basically sealed their fate with that last drive pick, which I've been saying on this podcast for the last three or four weeks is not that guy who's going to take you to the playoffs, like deep into the playoffs. He's not that guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl. And that game just further epitomized that point. I mean, you need to go down the field and put some points on the board. It's desperation time. And in his own territory, he throws a pick. I'm like, it was nice to feel vindicated, you know, and it was nice to feel right. But on the same side of the coin, I would have also liked to see the Rams lose because I fucking hate the Rams. So but sorry. So go ahead, John. Yeah, no, I I think, you know, you just hit on something. You made me think of a question, Joe, and and we're not the first ones to ask this question, uh, but we obviously have the most red hot takes on the fucking planet here at rummed up red zone rambling. So this is going to be an opportunity to throw one of those out. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you have a decision you have to make going through this next offseason do you stick with jimmy g or do you trust trey lance who you barely played this year what what do you what do you boys think there like what what do they do and if they don't stick with jimmy g like what 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 is his path now use them both use them both Rocket offense baby so i think i think that's a terrible idea um All right. i i think you dump jimmy g's ass 
have somebody take them up, be a career backup somewhere. Um, and I think you pull a classic, like, let's sign a veteran or somewhat veteran QB to kind of wean ourselves onto Trey Lance to have him be the future of the 49ers. I think that's probably the right move. I, th- I don't know if that's what they will do. I think it's what they should do, though. And you know who is a veteran QB that is technically going to free agency this year? Good old Muddy Mitch. Yeah, I don't know Money about Mitch that to one. San Francisco. I mean, they're basically they're basically the same. They're guys who were seemed pretty high at one point and then nothing. They're both probably career backups. I think that's probably a decent. I mean, if nothing else, it spices it up a little bit. Um, but I mean, there are probably some better veterans that you could take. Like, I don't know if uh, the Bears are going to get rid of like Andy Dalton or something, or if. Yeah, I mean- um, if the Packers get rid of Aaron Rodgers, maybe you pick him up for a year or two. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they're All picking right, up Aaron Rodgers, they're not using Aaron to mentor Trey Lance. They're using Aaron Rodgers to go on a Super Bowl run. You're um, goddamn right they are. Unless Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, maybe gives himself a, a little too much ivermectin in this offseason and it completely shoots his throwing <laughs> arm. But um, that's the only scenario in which I think that Rodgers would fill that role. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I could see them like he's not a veteran, but I could see them picking up like Gardner Minshew and having him just do like classic QB competition. Be like, all right, we're going to start with Gardner. We're going to see how he does. Uh, You know, the mustache has some magic. Um, And then let's wean ourselves off of that and let's see how Trey Lance can do. Um, Dave, I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think? Um, Not just about Jimmy G but also just about this conference championship. Oh, I was going to be more on that. I was going to say that two is going to be traded to the, uh, to the 49ers because the Dolphins been wanting to dump him to to the 49ers. Those are two kind of underachieving stars, you know, a little, little du- dual threat there. And then I don't know what, what, what the Dolphins would do, but fuck the Dolphins. They have a lot of other problems um yeah yeah they most certainly do and their former coach brian floors now this is i've been wanting to talk about this for a little bit and if you guys are all right kind of transitioning away from that nfc championship game i'd like to talk about this brian floors drama which sounds pretty serious it's certainly a pretty red hot situation over there oh yeah i feel like that's an understatement yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely crazy. So I'll just give like a quick summary about what's going on for any of our listeners who may not be fully tuned in. And then I want to hear your guys' opinions on this. So basically at around four o'clock today, Brian Flores submitted a lawsuit stating that the Giants were, were racially discriminating against him, hiring him as their head coach. And it seems like the, the main body of evidence, interestingly enough, lies on texts from Bill Belichick, who meant to, who, who texted Brian Flores, congratulations on the Giants head coaching position, when he meant to text Brian Dable 
about his congratulations on the head coaching position. So first of all, Bill Belichick is like, I'm just imagining him just like having, you know, just Brian coach, Brian coach in his phone and just texting the wrong one and being like, Oh, this is Brian Dabble. Let me text him here. Tell him congratulations. And he texted floors instead. Um, So that's hilarious. But basically he's using this evidence in his lawsuit to be like, Hey, um, you decided to go with dabble before you even interviewed me. That's like the most condemning thing about this is that, is that Brian Flores found out that he wasn't going to get the Giants head coaching position before the Giants even interviewed him. So they had their hearts on Brian Dabble from the start. Um, so that's pretty crazy. John, you kind of see like you want to want to say something about that. I want to hear your take. I've got a few thoughts here. And I think that this is a first and foremost, I want to say this. I think that this is a very real situation that needs to be properly vetted and investigated um this has been a big thing in the nfl for a while the rooney rule uh and the lack of minority particularly head coaches but coaches generally in the nfl um so with all of that said there's a couple things here number one somewhat mostly jokingly i i think that uh bill belichick is intentionally did it he's a scheming motherfucker he's got some way he's 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 moving the chess pieces around uh and distracting from something so he's a shifty motherfucker um but i i think in terms of i'm really split on this because the problem is there is some pretty damning evidence that hey the giants didn't even interview this dude um and they had made you know they had made that decision and therefore are they violating the rooney rule Well, as I understand it, and I don't remember his actual name, they interviewed a different minority coach candidate earlier in the week. So they they didn't violate the Rooney rule. They just made their decision on somebody they liked before they interviewed all the applicants. Uh, And I think I'd have some questions. And this is where this is where my head goes to. If they made that decision without anything and if they did violate the Rooney rule and if there's that damning evidence there that they did it for some racial reasons, man, fuck everyone involved in that situation. You're a shitty person. But on the flip side of it, I think about, you know, I've conducted a number of interviews uh, in my job uh, outside of all of this stuff. And there are times that, you know, just it's, it's not intentional, but you just really click with a candidate. You just go, this is the, yeah, this is the guy. This is the person that's going to fit in here. This is exactly what I'm looking for. This is the perfect match. Uh, And then maybe, you know, it doesn't sound like they canceled the interview with Brian Flores. Um, You know, so maybe they're, they're going in. I, I, I guess what I have questions about is, was it the Giants saying, yeah, we are dead set. We're hiring Dayball. Or was it, somebody in the Giants organization who's talking to Belichick and other folks and, you know, what, oh man, we just interviewed this dude. Who's a fucking rock star. I really think he's going to be our guy. You know, we've got a few others we got to do, but you know, I don't know if anybody's going to beat this dude because if that's it, that's a very different situation than what this lawsuit is alleging. Uh, And so that's just where my questions are. And I mean, you certainly, you know, like you have that in, in job interviews all the time. Like sometimes you, you have a candidate that's like 
really, really, you know, above and beyond, like it's a perfect fit and you're like, yeah, this is it. And it may honestly have been one of those things where like they, you know, they may have canceled the interview just to like, I know they didn't, but like maybe they were going to, so as to like not even waste his time. Um, and it just, you know, was a bad situation. Maybe like, maybe Bill texts the wrong Brian. Uh, you know, I, I know everybody in those circles like talks to each other and I'm not at all surprised that uh, that Boomer Bill was like, oh yes, Brian coach, that's who I want to talk to. Um, not realizing that he probably had two guys in his phone, but um, you know, it, it just, I guess it all depends on the rest of the context, which we don't quite have, but it'll be interesting to, um, to see what happens as, um, as this kind of story continues to develop. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I want to say one last thing on this, uh, and then I'll, I'll kick it over to whoever else has an idea here. Uh, but I, I, just because it sounds like I was maybe being a little critical uh, or, or skeptical of the Flores thing, uh, I want to be real clear. Brian Flores has also been just super fucked over the last few weeks. Like, regardless of if some of the direct allegations about exactly what happened with the Dolphins are true, because there's some pretty serious fucking allegations there about an NFL owner telling his staff, no, I want better draft position, tank games. Why are you going on a seven-game win streak? Now I'm mad at you. Like, that's also problematic, in my opinion, and a real shitty reason to lose your job. Like, hey, you outperformed uh, what we wanted and expected uh, so that theoretically you put us in a worse drafting position and we want to use that draft so that we can outperform our failing seasons. It just seems a little ass backwards to me. Now, that all is all going to come to light as well. But regardless of if that is exactly how that happened or that is not exactly how that happened, the fact that you can go on a seven-game win streak with the fucking Dolphins, the only person of which who is super notable on that team is Tua because of all the questions around Tua. And like, and then to lose your job? What the fuck? So he's in a shitty situation. It's unfortunate if it just got even shittier once he does get fired from the Dolphins. Uh, but I'm super interested to see where this goes. Joe, what else you got on it? Well, also, not only were they winning the games, they were also in playoff contention there for for a few weeks. Like they were they they were legitimate contenders for that last wild card spot there. So it's not like it's not like he was just winning four or five games for to and just like uh, moving moving up in the or moving down the in the draft order. He was they were winning games and actually having a shot at making the playoffs. Like that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and. You know, I I know, you know, a nine and eight record isn't the most impressive thing in the world, but you're right, Dave. I mean, they he turned that team around to put them in the playoff conversation. So, I mean, these allegations against the Dolphins, I mean, they're not that far-fetched. Now, when you have this context, now that you when you learned that they fired technically a winning coach you know he was a winner that season um it, i mean everyone everyone was baffled at that move and you'd think brian Flor, flores would be a hot commodity um and 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 now the giants you know 
now they kind of have to answer for this whole, you know, interview debacle with, you know, basically having their candidate determined before they even interviewed Flores. I mean, that's, there's just, I'm not saying everything in the lawsuit, you know, should be taken as 100% this is factual, but there is some fishy shit going on here. Um, I mean, in, in, the, in the allegations about being paid a hundred grand per loss so you can tank for a better draft pick, that is like, I mean, under the NFL rules, you're forced to sell the team if an owner does that. that. So that's super fucking serious. And now it's kind of, it's kind of starting to make sense a little bit why they fired him. If, if this is true, it makes perfect sense why they fired this coach who was starting to show, you know, highlights and streaks of being successful, especially later in the season. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's just a wild scenario. We're going to I guess we're going to see later this week and next week how this is all going to unfold. Um, you know, these lawsuits can take a while, so we probably won't be hearing anything for for a hot minute. But I'm very anxious to see where this is going. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just something just to add wild. about something to add about uh, Brian Flores and the Dolphins as well is that last season they went 10 and six and were second in the AFC East. So like. Yeah, it's pretty nutty. It it wasn't just this past season, you know. It was, I mean, he was better last the season before in 2020. So, like, there's no reason to fire this guy after knocking on the door of the playoffs two years in a row and being being the Dolphins up until that point. Like, their last 10 win season was in 2016. So it's like, come on, exactly. Yeah, and I mean. The good news for Flores is he's interviewing, uh, he interviewed with the Saints today. And I mean, I think Flores is a pretty good coach. He turned the Dolphins into a playoff contender, at least this year with, I mean, you know, two is not the best quarterback in the bunch. Um, So I would be excited to see what he can do with the Saints if, um, if that works. Uh, According to the ESPN or the athletic article I'm reading, it says he's also reportedly a finalist for the Texans job which I don't think is terrible. I think that um, it's kind of a similar situation to where the Dolphins were a few years ago, you know, bottom of the barrel. They got some good draft picks going on. I think that if Flores goes there, I feel like he could turn that into a decent program in a few years. Um, And, you know, again, it depends what happens with this lawsuit. If, if it, you know, comes out and if the end, goal is like oh well this was frivolous and xyz then yeah he's probably not going to be coaching in the nfl anymore but um who knows i think he's a good coach and i would love him to go to the saints yeah and he's a pretty fascinating candidate too because he's one of the few coaches in the nfl that has coached you know in all three aspects of the game offense defense and special teams so he's very well-rounded on paper his resume is extremely impressive i mean why, like I said, why isn't he flying off the shelf like a hot commodity? I mean, it's just, it's just weird to me. It's just weird, you know, and I don't know. There's something going on. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly weird. And I, I don't have an answer for it, to be quite honest. Like, it's really strange. Cause like you said, his resume is just incredibly impressive. Um, the, the unfortunate thing is like, 
the fact that he did this lawsuit and it's super shitty that this is the way it is, but like, let's be real about the way this business works. It doesn't matter what his resume is now. There's a chance he might never coach in the NFL again because he filed a lawsuit, even if he's right. Even if he's exactly right, proven, proves it all true. It, it might become one of those scenarios, which is some real shitty stuff. But there's a lot of other coaching things that are happening out here. And so I'm, I'm going to pitch one out. Uh, I got to touch on some stuff. The Green Bay Packers have been doing some changes. Uh, <laughs> and there's some interesting potential chess moves to it. Uh, there's some funny scenarios with it. Like, for example, uh, famous Bears legend, Coach Butkus, right? Or uh, Dick Butkus, not Coach. His, uh, his what is it, grandson or, or something, is now the, like, quarterback's coach for the Green Bay Packers. He got a promotion within the Packers organization. Um, Butkus shat on him over Twitter. Oh, I know. I saw I saw Buckus's Twitter is amazing. Even as a Packers fan, amazing. You should go follow it. Uh, Adam Stinovich, our, which I talked about this on our, on our little brief emergency episode. Uh, he was our offensive line coach. He officially becomes our ROC. Uh, and then old boy Luke Getze takes off to go. Uh, was he the one that went to the Bears as their OC? Uh, so, yeah, there's been a lot of. A lot of changes within the rank and file of the Packers organization. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, my only comment on that is I'll reiterate something I said on a previous episode, which is as a Packers fan, there's almost something a little bit exciting about what's happening. Uh, not in the sense that there's a very real possibility we're going to be really fucking struggling for a little while. Uh, but there is something exciting in that we're going to find out a lot about this team. Uh, a lot of, like I said before, a lot about Matt LaFleur and, and really how, you know, the air of change is not a bad thing in my opinion. And, and I'm excited to see what the Packers look like next year as a result of some of these shifts. So that's, that's just my thoughts on the, on some of the, the Packers stuff there. So. I mean, what's an episode of red zone rambling if I don't talk a little bit about the Buffalo bills, um and circle them wagons dave nobody maybe nobody circles those wagons like the <laughs> buffalo bills um but with ken dorsey being uh promoted to offensive coordinator that's just step one in my master plan step two is to hire the man the myth the legend himself ryan fitzpatrick as the fucking qb coach bring him in he would he is he is buffalo he is Buffalo. Bring him in. Have he's basically going to be a bro out there, but he's also going to have a lot of a lot of years of the experience playing in the game. And he he was a, he was the guy that led the Dolphins last year to their almost playoff run. So he 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 he's us. He's he's been in the league a long time. He would be a great guy to mentor. I guess you could still say with Josh Allen, Josh Allen knows a lot, but he could still learn. A lot of people could probably still learn. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think is a good guy to learn from. So that's who I want to see. I want to see a little bit of movement there, but I feel like that's keeping it all in house with them. Yeah, I think, I think Fitzpatrick is, I mean, that dude's a special guy. And with what he could be really useful for with Josh Allen, though, is the idea of like, Fitzpatrick was a mobile quarterback. Like people forget that. I think he's a pretty mobile guy. Uh, 
he's a little bit bigger dude. You know, he's, I don't think he's Josh Allen size, but he's still a bigger guy. One of the things that Josh Allen is going to have to do, it's, it's just a reality of the game. And, and he's even acknowledged this before is like at a point, he's going to have to adapt his game because as he takes more hits, as he gets a little bit older, that mobility is going to slow down. Like, I'm not saying he's going to turn into big Ben back there being a statue, but he's going to have to adjust his game and who better to learn it from than the dude who's been in the NFL and taken so many fucking hits, had the injuries come back and still been a relatively mobile guy for, for his age and all that stuff. I, I agree, Dave. I actually really like the idea of a Fitz magic being there in the QB room uh, and coaching up Josh Allen for the course of the, the next big run. You know, I'm glad that you agree with that because I have, um, I've thought of this, I've, I've been going at it more from the meme aspect and like, you know, you have the, you have the Ryan Fitzpatrick at the last, uh, at the, at the wild card game, uh, in, in the stands with all the Buffalo fans shirtless, just cheer. There we go, John and Matt shirtless and just cheering for the Buffalo bills. And I just think that he would be great culture, but I didn't realize all the other aspects of, of his game that you, that you're saying along with this, that he brings along to actually mentor, mentoring him, mentoring him. Um, So yeah, that's pretty cool though. I think one thing that I really like about um, just Fitzpatrick is that it's, it's an NFL player going to be a coach. I, before that, I don't know of anybody. I mean, I know there's a few people who like played in the NFL and then became a coach, but like, I just think that's really cool. I think that's like some really good on-field experience, especially somebody like Fitzpatrick or like Josh McCown. He's um, he was talking to the Texans for a minute. I think that kind of experience is really cool because not only do you get that, you know, true to life, like firsthand NFL experience, but you get recent experience too, more so uh, Fitzpatrick than McCown. But like, you know, Fitzpatrick played in the uh, played in the NFL last year. Like he knows what the defense looks like. He knows what the offenses need to look like, and he he knows what an NFL quarterback should look like, and you know what skills they should have, what kind of intangibles they need, um, all that good stuff. So I think. I think hiring people on like that is a really good call. I feel like that might be, you know, depending on what he ends up doing after his retirement, I feel like that might be a good move for Tom Brady. If he wants to continue in the NFL, I feel like that would be, you know, good. I feel like that would work well. That's a pretty fascinating proposition. Um, I think Tom, I think Tom Brady would probably not make a great coach um, because, and here's why. So let me, Dave, let me touch on your point about Ryan Fitzpatrick really quick. That's, that's a really fun thing to think about. Um, He was in Buffalo for the longest. He has a pretty good connection with the city. I'm pretty sure he said before that like Buffalo is like his favorite city and most memorable. Dave, can you back me up on that? Or am I crazy? No, he, he, he has said that he has. Said okay. That. Yeah. So, and, 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 and I mean, he's coming off a gruesome injury with, with Washington. I mean, he completed three passes this past season before getting gruesomely injured with, I believe was an ACL injury. You know, he's been in the league for like 16 seasons. 
this is a good time to hang up the cleats for him. He's smart, and I think he can communicate his ideas well. Tom Brady is a great player, you know, obviously has had a huge impact on the NFL. I don't know if he would be the type of person to be fit in a coaching role um, because, I mean, he's, he's good in his, in his own respect. You know, he's really good with his system and what he does. I don't necessarily think he would be good in like having to do all the other things a coach has to do, which is like adapting and make creating game plans and, you know, working with other players to, to find their strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that. So um, yeah, sorry. That kind of got me off on a tangent, but I wanted to speak on the Tom Brady. Would you (laughs) ramble? Would you say? Yes, ramble. <laughs> just, just a quick question on that one, actually, before we move on to the next subject. But would you say that he's more like a in like a situational person, like where he could probably see it himself on the field, as a like and not being able to like like adjust to the play or whatever, or like yeah. not be able to play it, but he adjusts to it on the field. So maybe like not be able to transition or whatever. Like what? Why? Why don't I just want to know why you don't think he would? Tra- transition while the coaching position so i just you know i I just don't know if he really has the chops to to like relay his knowledge onto other people i mean maybe he is really good at that um i mean maybe not this is just the, the the thing i get from tom brady is that he's a you know he's been a legend at reading defenses and doing all this other stuff And he's like kind of a prodigy in his own right. And just because you're good at something, really good at something, doesn't necessarily mean you'll be able to relay those ideas, you know, effectively. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is more of the guy who'd be able to do that. I mean, the dude went to Harvard. He's super fucking smart. He got a 48 on his Wonderlick. Um, And he's the type of smart that is like, more communicative i think i don't know i'm kind of getting in the weeds here but no Joe, uh, I, it, it would be a fascinating proposition to see man, if tom I, brady could coach <laughs> i think i think you're exactly right man um i i actually completely agree brady to me and this is not a bad thing or an indictment upon him brady to me is a dude who has he just has it he just has it and for him yeah. that like it's I, I i think it's you know, I'm not going to say that he doesn't have the chops to communicate it. I think it's actually a genuinely difficult thing for him to communicate in that for him, these things just come into place. Like when he decides I'm going to dedicate myself to learning how to throw a tighter spiral, it comes into place. When he decides he's going to dedicate himself to learning every defensive formation on the planet, like it happens. And so for him, he'd come in and try to coach you, and he'd be like, well, you just got to sit down and look at the book until you real until you, you remember. And speaking of remembering, let's talk about some really fucking cool moments that happened because there was a lot of shit that went down in the NFL this season. There was, there was a lot of good stuff. And um, I think one of my favorite things, so as you all are well aware, I don't know about our listeners, but you three, I am a proud Tulane alum, Roll Wave. And one thing that we are not good at is sports, besides baseball, but sports. And it has been awesome this year to see like three solid Tulane players really make an impact. You've got on the Bears, you've got Darnell Mooney. He, you know, listed as their wide receiver two, I think, but 
their their best receiver um robinson sucks um so darnell mooney really stepped up i think him and justin fields have an awesome um chemistry and so it was like it was really great to see both of them go see darnell mooney ball out um i tried at several games to uh to wear Tulane gear and get his attention did not work um maybe next year i'll bring a sign or something like hey darnell i was in your marketing class that one time um so that was cool that was player number one number two surprisingly dontrell hilliard he's been kind of bouncing around rosters on you know as like a practice squad running back for a while but he ended up on the titans this year and there was one game when derrick henry was down he stepped the fuck up i think he had like he had like a 120 yard game, a touchdown. Like it was really nice to see him go. And I think that he like in the, you know, three, four games that he played a lot of, I think he really solidified himself as like a good, like, you know, second string power back. And I'm hope that in the future, either the Titans or somebody else use him um, as they should. And then the third, not so much in stats, but in terms of um, accolades, I guess, Cam sampled defensive end on the Bengals. He um, he's third string and the Bengals have two really good defensive ends. So he doesn't see a whole lot of playing time, but when he does, you know, he's out there and I mean, he's gotten snaps. Um, he, he has some stats, but you know, he's going to the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks and that's awesome. Like, regardless of, you know, if he plays or, you know, he's there and he's hopefully going to get a ring. Um, and so that will be really cool for, for Tulane as a football program and hopefully legitimize it more for, um, you know, for incoming recruits. So that is a very long kind of rambly way of saying my favorite moment of the season was watching Tulane players shine on NFL rosters. Dave, what you got for me? Yeah. Um, well, I just had one highlight really. And that was just watch. that was the uh, wild card game bills Patriots. After thinking that, um, after thinking that Josh Allen couldn't do any better than he did the past game against the Patriots to win, he has that perfect game. Um, in, in, uh, at, in Buffalo, it was, it was just a great, great game. First game, first, uh, home playoff game for the bills and for Buffalo since like, I think it was the, uh, early nineties. So really great, really great for them. Really great game. Um, I guess the second one I would say would be Cooper cup and just all just him in general, Cooper cup, really love Cooper cup, had a great season trip, triple crown. Was it, um, no, just yeah, had a great leading season. in receiving catches and touchdowns. Yes. Yeah, just just great, great player. Love to see him really come out this year. Um, as Joe and Matt know, I I, uh, I I somehow always end up with him on fantasy, so always kind of root for him. But this year, something special. So really enjoyed that. Yeah, Dave, I definitely didn't know you always end up with uh, Cooper Cup on fantasy. You certainly haven't told me multiple times, including, I believe, on this show. Yeah, we'll have to, we have to go uh, roll back some tape and see, see how many times I've said it. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and say my most fun moment of the season. And as a Saints fan, it's pretty easy for me 
to say the best moment of the season for me. And that was December 19th, second game versus the Bucks, And we shut them out just completely decimated that offense and made them look silly. Uh, I think that was the second time in Tom Brady's career, his entire career that he's been shut out. And it happens in a year when he is tearing it up. He leads the league in yards. Uh, I believe also leads the league in passing touchdowns and the saints pull out their typical voodoo magic in the regular season and completely make that Buccaneers defense or Buccaneers offense look like a clown show. Just to remind you guys of the score of that game, not a single touchdown was scored by either team. Saints won with three field goals, nine to zero. Uh, In fact, the Saints offense looked pretty fucking terrible too, but Taysom Hill and the rest of those guys did just enough to make sure that we beat those dirty bucks. And I think that was just a, like, even if we didn't make the playoffs, you know, but well, we didn't make the playoffs, but even though we didn't make the playoffs, I'm still happy we swept the bucks. And in our second game against them, we just committed our yearly tradition of making Tom Brady look like an absolute fool, which not many teams can say that. In fact, I don't think any of the other 31 NFL teams can say they regularly make Tom Brady look like a fool. But there is one, and it's the Saints, and it's a beautiful thing. John, I want to hear something from you. What is your favorite moment of the season? (laughs) Yes, who that and who day for our chili spaghetti eaters who might be listening. Hell yeah. Oh, God, there's so many. Uh, I would have to say one of my favorite moments, just because I genuinely, and this is going to be crazy as a Packers fan, but I genuinely like the guy, was getting to see the Detroit Lions finally get a fucking win and Matt Campbell, or uh, uh, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Um, oh, I just like Dan Campbell. Fuck everybody else up there. Uh, except Jamal Williams, former Packers running back, now a backup running back at the Detroit Lions. Um, but Dan Campbell, oh, I just loved it. The moment, though, for the Packers that I can say, like, I was I was so – ah, I still get the rush of energy was when we put that fucking one on them Cardinals and then look what happened. We fucking broke them. They came and played us. Their season fell apart. So uh, that was a pretty amazing spectacle. And to see Razul Douglas – and this leads me to kind of my final point on this. Razul Douglas to be the man that shut it out. The man that was on the, the Arizona Cardinals practice squad not six weeks earlier being a starter in that game and to snag that fucking INT and close the game. Ah, And that's my final point is I think I said this on one of the previous episodes. My favorite thing about this NFL season has been the fact, A, we've had some great storylines. And the reason we've had those great storylines is holy shit the parody of the NFL was so spectacular to have a season that really embodied it and really feels like we're in the midst of a changing of the guard in the NFL. We're seeing conferences, see some very new faces. Ah, 
God, it's amazing. Again, the air of change does not scare me. I love it. It's time to innovate. Let's take the next step uh, into the next generation with the NFL and let's light some shit up. Oh, for sure. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love parody in the NFL. I think this season, exactly as you said, has been the epitome of any given Sunday or Thursday or Monday or whatever day it is. I think that when you have a league where the, you know, the, whatever, the, the zero 11 and one lions can beat the Cardinals who I think at the time were the top team in the NFC. Um, it's awesome. And it's great. Like fans really like it. I think players have a good time with it, even though, you know, rivalries, nobody likes to lose, but I think at the end of the day, everybody has fun with it. Um, coaches like it, obviously. And TV networks like it. I don't have stats on how many, like what viewership looked like, but it's great. And I really like what's going on in the NFL right now. Any final thoughts? I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, Jesus Christ. Dude. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. Wait a way to just bomb fumble that bad boy. We were doing so well too. God. Um, I guess, I maybe maybe this. this gets maybe this gets cut out. I don't even know at this point. But oh, no, I think we got to keep that in. We got to keep this all oh, in, baby. God, that what a that's a red hot <laughs> fucking milk toast transition that Dave just tried to give us there. Yeah, I any final it. thought? No, let's dive into this bad boy. We are rubbed up, red zone rambling with the red hot takes. We clearly ramble. You know what we haven't delivered in this show, show yet? A fucking red hot take. So Dave, since you fucked it up, you get to start us off. <laughs> happened to that 1999 The Fast and the Furious rules. Since you spoke up, you get to say grace. So let's go. What's your red hot take, boy? Okay. Well, Brian Dable is going to come in as the head coach, right? And he is going to bring something out special in Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is going to be the second coming of Christ next year. Probably not that good, but he's going to lead the team to the playoffs. He's going to lead the team. No, no, no. He's going to lead the teams to the playoffs. And they, they, they are going to bring, he's going to be able to work his offensive wonders and his QB wonders onto Daniel Jones. Maybe he's not going to be the next Josh Allen, but he's going to be able to better fit the, team around him and his needs as opposed to trying to put in a bunch of other things and maybe say hey maybe they'll keep Saquon or Saquon around and he'll be able to better play him on the field too so he's not getting injured all the time oh boy I just saw Matt in the chat (laughs) I got something that's gonna blow your fucking mind all right here we go picture the NFC North Aaron with a Packers that is decimated. Aaron Rodgers is gone. Devontae Adams is gone. Um, Packers are going to be a non-factor next year, right? We got we got the Bears. It's going to be a rebuild year. And sure, we'll come back, you know, season or two. But this year, nah, it's going to be seven and nine. You know, Justin Fields is still getting his, um, his footing as a rookie with new coach. Um, you got the Vikings. They're going to fuck something up. They're going to hire Jim Harbaugh. It's going to be a bad hire. It's going to be, you know, he's going to be getting used to the NFL, um, again, after a eight, nine year hiatus. Um, and so it's going to be, Vikings are going to be down here. This is going to be Dan Campbell's year. Lions are going to win the division. Book it. All right. So my hot take is not nearly as ambitious as yours, Matt. Um, mine actually might be considered more lukewarm. 
but I've been stewing on this for a while, and here it goes. The Patriots will go back to being undisputedly number one team in the NFL next year, and here's why. Mac Jones, sophomore slump? I don't think so. I don't think you have a sophomore slump with Bill Belichick as your head coach. I don't think Bill Belichick is going to make the same mistakes he made this season, and I think the only way for that organization to go is up. Dave, as much as it pains you to hear this, I think the AFC East is going to be back in the clutches of Darth Belichick and his young apprentice, Mac Jones. Um, they're going to be a force to be trifled with next year. Josh Allen, Josh Allen and McDermott and Diggs and all those guys, they're still going to be an imposing force. Don't get me wrong. Josh Allen is the future of the NFL, him and Mahomes and all those other young talented QBs. They're the future of the NFL, but Belichick is going to pull his typical bullshit. He does every year. He's going to make this rookie at next year, sophomore look really good. He's going to pull some strings. That defense is going to kick ass. They're going to bite some kneecaps. I'd watch out for the New England Patriots next year. They're going to make a vicious comeback. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go that hard in the paint for the Patriots, but I do agree. I think they're going to be around. They're going to be a, a nasty opponent out there uh, and deliver a lot of losses to a lot of teams. But my take here to close us out is, I don't know, probably not super 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 spicy you know we're several million scoville lower than than old boy matt over there uh you know if if we're looking at the buffalo wild wings chart i'd say joe's is kind of lower well i don't know it's 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 kind of in there that joe's is like a nice like a medium Uh, yeah you know uh we got we got dave's like the caribbean jerk sauce sweet and spicy Uh, (laughs) exactly uh, we got that top of the banner there with Matt's and the mine will fall kind of in between there. And it's this, the Green Bay Packers, the decimation of the Green Bay Packers. We've all heard about it. We know that they're the second worst in cap hell, quote unquote. We know that there's a lot of questions surrounding some of the most marquee players in that team's past decade. But I'm here to tell you right now, you can fucking book it, take it to the bank. Oh, goody. Old Brian Gutekunst, star general manager, and old Matt LaFleur. You see, they're scheming. They're out there scheming, and the Green Bay Packers are not going to be a shell of them for themselves next year. You see, because the Green Bay Packers are going to bring back more starters and free agents than they let walk this year. I don't know how. I don't know who's going to do it. But just like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when they said, hey, hey, we want a Super Bowl, let's fucking run it back, and brought back every single one of those gentlemen for that for this next run which they almost got there they almost got there let's not pretend that didn't happen the packers are about to work the same fucking magic we're gonna we're gonna shift some things we're gonna cut some uh some new deals we're bringing back more starters than we lose that's your fucking take to close this bad boy out with that thank you gentlemen it is always a pleasure there's always so much to talk about we got super bowl coming up we got Pro Bowl coming up. That's always exciting. I'm sure we'll cover it on our next regularly scheduled episode of right here at Rummed Up, Red Zone Rambling. And before I forget, before I forget, and Dave, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punt to you here. We have a new Twitter account. You should go follow our new Twitter account. Dave, where can people find Red Zone Rambling on Twitter? Well, John, 
and our listeners. You can follow us at, at Red Zone Rambling. At Red Zone Rambling. You know, I found out that you can't have more than 15 characters. So we are Red Zone Rambling at Red Zone Rambling. But you can still A find us. Singular a ram- ramble, not but you more can find ramblings. <laughs> you can still find us at Red Zone Ramblings as well. So that yeah. is incredible. So find us at Red Zone Rambling. With that, we'll see you next time.